This episode of the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Koros Global. For a free accessory with any Koros Global watch purchase, use the code FITCOOKIENUTRITION at checkout and visit the link in the show notes to shop all of the Koros watches. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey everybody, in today's short episode, we are going to talk about my top habit change tips for the new year, which in this case is 2022. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of still processing 2020, 2021 like flew by and I cannot believe it's already 2022, but alas, here we are, just proof that time continues to pass no matter what we do. So um, I wanted to get into a really popular topic today, um, which is, you know, establishing habits and basically my top tips for making, you know, change that will stick and setting yourself up for success this new year or any time of the year. Because as you guys know, who have maybe followed me for a while on social media, worked with me as a dietitian or coach or listened to the podcast before, there is no right time to make changes. The best time is now. And don't bite off more than you can chew. <laughs> um, so in terms of my top habit change tips, let's get right into it because I know this time of year can bring about a lot of buzz around, you know, this is the next diet you should do. This is the next workout program that you need to do. You need to change. You need to be better. You need to do something different because what you're doing right now is not good enough. Those are the messages that we tend to hear around the holiday season and new year, which honestly is a bummer because it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be restful and relaxing. And I think just this go, go, go hustle culture mentality really kind of prohibits us from truly enjoying the holiday season it might make it more stressful than it needs to be, especially kicking off a new year. One thing I do want to say is that if you have found that over the holiday season, maybe you're just cooped up a little bit more, you didn't have much of a schedule, maybe there were a lot of foods around in your diet that you're not typically you know, used to having all of the time, um, it can be really normal and natural to want to do the opposite of that. Um, that's called habituation. So you know, if we kind of get overdone with something, whether it's a certain food, a certain routine, a certain schedule, it's normal to want something different after a while if it's kind of too much of an extreme. So I think this time of year, it's normal to want to maybe have more structure, have more of a schedule, maybe do different movement, eat foods that you know are different than what you've been eating for the past month, whatever that may be on either end of the spectrum. So keep that in mind. So just like if we never allow ourselves to have that forbidden food, we're going to want it more. You know, if we're forced to have certain things or be in a certain schedule, you know, we're going to want to do the other thing more. So that's very normal. So if you do feel a little bit of extra motivation around the start of the new year to do things differently than you have been doing in the past few weeks, know that that's normal. You're not bad. You're not giving into fads or you know, diet culture or anything like that, just for having that motivation or that change of pace. It's very normal. Um, I know for me, I like to, you know, take down some Christmas decorations because um, typically we set ours up early. So I'm someone who like New Year, like let's 
take them down, um, clean the house and kind of just have a fresh slate because work typically gets really busy after the holidays, after having that break. Um, and it's nice to just have some of those things in order. So if that's you, you know, you're not alone. You're not wrong for doing so. If you think you do want to get into a different workout routine, again, I know there's a lot of stigma this time of year around if you're a new person at the gym, like these people are all going to be gone by February. These are things I used to hear all the time working at a gym, like, oh, you're not here for the long run. You know, you're not legit enough to stay past February. This is just the New Year's crowd. And, you know, while there is some truth to that, that just tends to be the trend around gym busyness. Again, it's pretty natural and there's nothing wrong with being a newbie at the gym. There's nothing wrong with that. So I really wish we would stop shaming people and putting that preconceived notion, making assumptions, putting that stigma on them when they're trying to do something for their health. So if you've ever had that thought, I would encourage you to, you know, just rethink a little bit, put yourself in that situation, um, being a newbie, what would you want? You would probably want some support, um, or just people to leave you alone so you can go do your thing. So in terms of my habit change tips, I want to talk about today, focusing on a couple different things. So number one, there are two different really types of habits that we can kind of get into. Um, so one is outcome, you know, um, driven and the other is process driven. And I think in today's society, um, we tend to be really good at focusing on outcome driven goals or outcome driven habits. Um, this can be something like, you know, I want to lose weight. I want to achieve X fitness goal, like qualify for Boston, or I want to gain muscle mass. You know, we get that outcome or even performance, you know, kind of mindset. And that's like our tunnel vision. And if we don't achieve that goal, you know, it's like do or die. (laughs) Um, Something I don't think we focus on enough are process driven goals, which are going to help us achieve that outcome. So I would argue they're probably just as if not more important to focus on. So, you know, looking at humans, we tend to be really visual beings we're like bombarded with messages like, you know, not being good enough or needing to hustle more or look a certain way or do certain things. So it makes sense that we are outcome driven. But again, emphasizing the process based goals can be helpful. So I want to go through some examples just so you can kind of gauge what I mean. So outcome based goal, we're going to use I want to qualify for Boston as an example. That's the outcome is to qualify for the Boston Marathon. So to make some process-driven goals to get there that are going to help us establish habits. Um, I want to talk about, you know, what do I need to do to qualify for the Boston Marathon? Like, maybe I got to look up what time I need to run, understand a little bit about the buffer history (laughs) that tends to happen when, you know, you qualify for Boston, but then you have to apply and only the fastest people are accepted because they always run out of spots, unless you're talking about this year, (laughs) Um, and so on and so forth you know, where am I currently at in my running experience? Am I a beginner marathoner and I've never run a marathon before and I have no idea what I'm even capable of? Am I really close to qualifying for Boston? I just need like a couple more minutes. Has it been a while? Have I qualified before and I'm trying to do it again? You know, where am I at now and where do I need to get um, is what I'm trying to establish here. 
what do you need to do to bridge that gap? How big is the gap? That's going to be important too, so that we're not limiting ourselves as human beings, but maybe we're being realistic with our timeline and our expectations and implementing some patience, which we'll talk about. So looking at where am I, where am I at right now? Where do I need to be to achieve said outcome? And what do I need to do to bridge the gap? So this is where we need to be flexible with our timeline and think about some of those more process-driven goals. So maybe to bridge that gap, I need to increase my mileage by 10% or less each week. Or I need to incorporate speed work one to two times per week. Or I need to strength train two to three times per week. I need to eat enough carbohydrates and really take my nutrition seriously and eat plenty of carbs and protein after my workouts. I need to learn how to take gels during my long runs because maybe I don't do that. So basically, what do you know is part of what needs to happen to bridge that gap for you? Besides just, okay, I need to just magically get faster and qualify for Boston. No, let's talk about what it's going to take to get there, for example. If you're like, I don't know what I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to bridge that gap or... I know that I've tried this in the past and it hasn't really worked out for me. And I don't know if I need extra help or support with that. That's where the process-based goal is going to be. I need to hire the right coach (laughs) to help me with these things. Or I need to do some research so that I can learn what it takes to get faster as a marathoner without getting injured. Or I need to go to physical therapy and address my my injury so that I can implement some of these things in a way that's realistic. And again, reaching out for help, using professional opinions, advice, doing some research in a way that has you know reliable sourcing, um, that's going to be helpful in helping you set that process-based goal so you understand what goes into the process. Then you can focus on the outcome. <laughs> so, you know, looking at SMART goals, which is kind of the next part of setting goals that, you know, are going to set you up for success to actually achieve them and help create those habits. So SMART goals, you might have heard this before, are specific, SMART. So the S is for specific, M is for measurable, A is for achievable, R is for realistic, and T is for time-specific. So when we talk about SMART goals, um, you know, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-specific. So we're getting really down to the nitty-gritty of these. So instead of, you know, I want to qualify for Boston, get more specific with it. I want to qualify for Boston by running a sub three hour and 30 minute marathon at Chicago this fall. You know, that could be a very specific goal. What I'd also encourage you to look at with this is, is that realistic? Is it January and Chicago's in October and you're currently a four hour marathoner and is running a 330 in one training cycle, you know, really going to be realistic for you? If you ran that four hour marathon five years ago, and you've worked on shorter distances and have gotten a lot faster since, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's realistic. If you ran that four-hour marathon recently, but you weren't doing speed work, you barely got through your training cycle, you know, you were kind of injured at the start line and you didn't feel really well, then that 330 may still be, you know, realistic if you put all those things in place. If you just ran your four-hour marathon and you were doing all those things, then a 330 marathon Again, it might be realistic for you, but maybe not in one training cycle. So also think about the time-specific part being realistic in that SMART goal. So when we go to the process-based SMART goal, um, using the same process 
as outcome. So still talking about uh, Boston qualifying time. It could be, I will prioritize running my easy runs at an easy effort, which for me is a nine minute mile or in my zone two heart rate on days prescribed in my plan. So that could be a very specific, measurable, achievable, realistic goal as well, where we're not just saying, I'm going to slow down on my easy runs. Well, no, by how much and on what days. Um, so this really takes into account <clears throat> you know, the what and the how and the why. Now let's hear a word from our sponsor. Hey, everybody. Have you heard from our newest sponsor, Coros Wearables? Coros makes GPS watches that help athletes train to be their best. Coros uses top-of-the-line hardware with innovative technology to provide endurance athletes with the gear that they need. When you use a Coros product, you know you're getting a tool that has been designed, tested, and perfected for the athlete by the athlete. And speaking of athletes sponsored by Coros Global, have you heard of Elliot Kipchoge, Des Linden, Emma Bates, Molly Seidel, I mean, come on, you've probably heard of them, and they use Koros products. Koros watches allow you to create your own personalized workouts and training plans for running, cycling, swimming, and even strength or core workout at the gym. If you need an extra reminder to properly fuel during your workout, Koros has you covered with their customizable nutrition alerts. So you can basically have me on your wrist pinging you every 30 to 45 minutes on your runs to remind you to fuel. Pretty cool stuff. Koros users have set world records, Elliot Kipchoge, and been to the highest point on earth, pushing their products to the extremes. At Koros, creation and innovation is never ending. And for Koros, the user is the focus. So if you are looking to try out a new Koros product and you want to be part of the Koros community, you can use code FITCOOKIENUTRITION at checkout to receive a free accessory with your watch purchase. You can use the link that's in the show notes to do this, and you just can pick out whatever accessory that you want on their page and add it to your cart, and you'll get it for free with the code FITCOOKIENUTRITION. I personally switched over to the Koros Apex over a year ago now from my Garmin Forerunner 220, which I also loved, but the Apex is gorgeous. It's probably one of their more simple models, which kind of defines what I look for in a watch. I just want it to be simple, although this one does still have quite a few bells and whistles that I use. Um, And it's honestly super comfortable to wear. It's not too big on your wrist. And the interface is really, really pretty, and the app is easy to use. So again, if you're looking to try out a Coros product, visit the link in the show notes. Use code FITCOOKIENUTRITION at checkout to get a free accessory with your purchase. Now let's get back to today's episode. So hopefully that helps you understand how to set goals that are going to set you up for success, Um, no matter what your goal is and no matter what your timeline is. Those are just some good things to come back to when you're thinking about why am I doing this in the first place? What goals can I set that are specific, you know, both outcome and process driven so that I am actually doing the things to establish change and to meet my goals in shorter chunks along the way to the bigger picture goal. Um, And another thing that can be helpful when thinking about habit change is just surrounding yourself with those resources, those people um, who are qualified, you know, that are going to help 
you know, fill in any knowledge gaps that you need or to guide you along the way if you are working with them, um, you know, one on one or in a group setting or what have you. That can definitely be helpful. And even with habits, start with one thing. Like, don't, you know, bombard yourself with, okay, um, like I said, I need to qualify for Boston and these are all the things I need to do to get faster. Like, don't start doing all of those things at once if you've never done them before. Maybe start with, all right, let me like first slow down all my easy runs. And then once I feel consistent with that, then let me add in one day of speed work and let me start real slow there in terms of how many intervals I do or what length of tempo I do. And then maybe let me add in strength training um, after that. You know, if, if it's not going to serve you well to do so many things at once, just pick one thing and try to be really consistent with it for several weeks um, before adding anything new, if that makes sense. Another thing that can be helpful if you're trying to add a habit to your day, um, which can be really challenging for people, if you are changing something that you currently do, sometimes that's a little bit easier. But if we're adding something brand new, it can be like, oh, I forgot to do that um, just because it's new. So I really like stacking habits. So attach it to something that you already do. So if you really need to be consistent, for example, with taking your supplements, because um, you always forget to take them, well, maybe attach it to brushing your teeth in the morning, right? When I brush my teeth, I take my vitamin D. <laughs> when I brush my teeth, I take my vitamin D or at night, you know, whatever the current existing habit that you just do that you don't have to think about, attach it to that and see if it sticks a little bit better that way. You can also set alarms and those external reminders as well to help you with that. Now, I want to go over some red flags. So if you are someone and you feel like I set goals, but I never achieve them, or it's hard for me to finish what I start, or I'm just, I know that there's going to be a lot of fad diets or new gimmicks this year. And I want to understand if they're going to be right for me or how to just not fall into that vicious cycle that maybe I have in the past or not take a step back, you know, if I'm trying to recover um, in terms of my relationship with food or body image or exercise, how can I keep moving forward with that in a time of year that sometimes it can be real hard to move forward with that when every message out there is telling us that we need change. <laughs> um, so let's go over some red flags. So first could be maybe a program's advertised using only appearance or weight-based outcomes. So there's a program, a lot of before and after pictures, a lot of um, you know, fit people, you, you know, jumping around. Um, and they're all talking about how they did this program and now they look this way or now they weigh this weight. And before they were like this, but now they're like this. And it's only using appearance or weight based outcomes. Huge red flag. Um, we shouldn't be marketing fitness or nutrition, which are really important practices to maintain health in a way that reflects our appearance or our weight are directly related with those habits because they're not. <laughs> um, they're not, they're not, they're not. And it, it does have a lot to do with our genetic makeup, long histories, you know, in terms of how experienced we are in these things or how consistent we've been with these things, any medical conditions. It has so much more to do than just, oh, if I eat less and exercise more, I will look like this. Um, even if you've done it in the past and looked a certain way, we're not in the past, we are in the present. So if there's a program and they are solely using appearance or weight-based outcomes to market their success or to measure the success of their participants, huge red flag. 
you are so much more than a before and after photo. Um, what happens to the people after the after photo? What if they go back to looking like the before photo? You know, these before and after photos suggest so many things. They suggest that the people in the before photos are unworthy or not good enough for some reason. They suggest that the people in the after photos are more worthy or superior for some reason, and that everyone should look like people in an after photo, and that if you look like someone in a before photo, you are not good enough. They suggest that bodies are not supposed to change after they hit the after photo, which is just untrue. Um, our bodies are supposed to change, and if you change from your after photo, there's nothing wrong with that. It also places a heavy value on thinness because people in before and after photos tend to get thinner um, or more muscular. And again, it suggests that the before, you know, there's something wrong with you when there's not, you are enough just the way you are. Um, and again, it doesn't put any emphasis on the habits that these people took because you could have someone who did go through a physical transformation and in their eyes, it has nothing to do with the physicality of it, you know, compared to the other things like how they're feeling, how they're sleeping, how they're performing in their workouts or in their sport, what their biomarkers and blood work looks like, um, you know, what their hormones look like, their quality of life, their mental health, those kinds of things. And before and after photos suggest that because you go through a physical transformation, then you can achieve all those things when that's just simply not true. So you see a program that is putting a heavy, heavy count on before and after photos, appearance-based transformations, and that's what they're using as an outcome, run far away. If a program is using a one-size-fits-all approach with no flexibility, this can be a red flag. Now, something I see often in the nutrition and wellness space is, well, you have to do what works for you. You know, we're all different. And yeah, we are all different, but if someone's saying, hey, you know, you should do something that is against what all other professionals in this field are recommending, it goes against huge bodies of research and, um, you know, it's supposed to work for everyone. I mean, that's probably not the right thing to do, you know, to go to extremes, um, but also, like, we we are all different. We all need to do what works for us. But to put this plainly, we're not all that special, you know? Like, you're, you're not special. Um, and you are not the outlier in every situation when it comes to what is evidence-based and what um, just biologically is known as fact. So if a program is saying, you know what? No, we know that everyone is saying to just for example, to eat carbs before you go for a run in the morning, but we have this new product or this new way of thinking where you skip the carbs and you do this instead. Um, and maybe that will work for you. You know, if it, it doesn't necessarily work that way, like you can't just defy everything that we know about science. Um, you are probably not that special. Now, I think you're very special, of course, but when it comes to, you know, what works for people, a lot of things that are evidence-based in really large bodies of research that have been researched on large groups of people um, is going to work for large groups of people, <laughs> you know, who fit that, um, you know, those various like characteristics that make up that audience. So obviously if we have research in men and we don't have any research on the same um, approach in women, then we can't necessarily apply the male results to females and expect the exact same outcome. Um, but if we have, you know, 
huge studies that show outcomes in females and we apply it to females, then we should expect similar outcomes if we have large bodies of research with this information. So hopefully I'm making sense there. But again, if a program's saying, hey, one size fits all approach, eh, you should have some options. People learn differently. People have different schedules. You know, there should be some wiggle room and some different options um, in that plan. And as someone who personally, I work with people one-on-one. I also work with people in group settings. I have online courses where, yeah, I am preaching to a large audience and I'm not talking to each of you individually. I try to do that, but it's impossible sometimes. And I'm one person and that's my attempt to reach more people with this evidence-based information, hoping that, you know, it comes at a more economical cost and I can reach more people, you know, that way because I can only meet with so many of you one-on-one. I'm one person. I only have so much time, right? So yeah, I mean, there are going to be a little bit more um, blanket statements said in in a program like that where you're not seeing someone one-on-one. But like, for example, in my program, in my runner roadmap course and in my strong runner Academy group coaching program, where I don't work with people in a one-on-one setting. Um, you know, I do have a couple of different ways that they can learn. You know, we've got audio things, we've got visual things, we've got food logging pathways with data. We've got food logging pathways without data. We've got non food logging pathways. Um, you know, in terms of how the program works, there's a couple different things you can do depending on how you learn. Um, I also have different math equations and different visuals in there, you know, depending on the person's exercise schedule that depend on the person's age or gender, um, you know, et cetera. So there should be some wiggle room in these bigger things that are set up where you don't meet with someone one-on-one to, you know, give you a more personalized experience because one size doesn't fit all, but also we're not all that special <laughs> when it comes to defying what research says is fact in science. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, and I haven't lost you there. Another red flag, your goal incorporates, you know, restriction instead of addition or any self-deprecating behavior. If you are constantly saying that your goals are to stop doing something or to take away something or to stop eating something or to do less of something, you're going to fail. You're going to fail because we know that restriction is one of the biggest predictors of binging, whether it's on food or on a habit or on something else. So if you take something away from someone, they are going to want it even more. It is just human nature and scientific fact. So instead, maybe try focusing on, okay, what can I add to my day that is going to help me meet my goals rather than what can I take away? And if a program's constantly taking away, it's a red flag. You should run. (laughs) Another red flag. You're engaging in insanity. So what I mean by this is you are doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And you're not asking for help. You're not working with a professional. You're not getting other opinions. um, And you're continuing to engage in the same behaviors and expecting a different result. If you do not change, then we cannot expect change to happen. Um, So if New Year rolls around and you're constantly like, let me sign up for this fad diet program um, or let me sign up for this workout program. And it's the same process for you each time. And you've never been satisfied with your results in the past. 
then maybe you need to change your approach. Maybe you need to sign up to work one-on-one with a professional who is qualified to give you advice in the field. Or maybe you need to sign up for a different type of program that's going to be more long-term. Or maybe you need to not sign up for anything and just be in January or February or March or April. Maybe you need to disconnect yourself from the internet in order to make this happen. So I would really ponder that too. Like, what do you typically do? Are you typically happy and satisfied with those outcomes? And if you are, cool, keep doing that. If you're not, stop engaging in the same behavior and expecting a different result. Another red flag, you're impatient. Humans are impatient, guys. We are in an instant gratification society and we want things now. Um, Actually, we want things yesterday. So when it comes to things to look for in habit change, goal setting. You cannot expect results overnight. That's why I think process-driven goals are so helpful because they do kind of help you have little pieces to bite off each week instead of focusing on the overarching theme and getting overwhelmed or feeling like you're never going to get there because it's so far away. So be like Pac-Man. Set those little goals along the way and go you know, munch on them as you get to the bigger picture. And be really, really realistic and honest with yourself about the length of time. If anything, if you can, you know, don't give it a length of time. Like if your goals are more arbitrary, like, you know, your why is that you want to have longevity in the sport of running, or, you know, you really want to be fit and healthy when you are in your 50s, 60s, 70s, so that you can be active with your kids and with your grandkids. Um, You know, if you have more arbitrary goals like that, you know, definitely be more flexible with the timeline because that's more of a practice that you want to embody and just keep doing and not like a destination that you achieve one day. When it comes to timelines, like for example, with my various programs, the absolute shortest amount of time you can work with me is three months because, you know, with three months, typically the people who are working with me for three months, they, you know, maybe just need some extra support or they have like a very specific goal with a 12 week training schedule, like maybe they're training for a marathon or a half marathon or to run their first 5k. And they just really want help over that specific training period. I will say most of my clients end up working with me between nine months and two years. Um, and the different packages I offer and continuation programs I offer do can tend to cater towards longevity because I think having relationships with coaches, with healthcare providers, um, with anyone really, you know, you want to think long term. So again, be really flexible with your timeline. If something is like promising you dramatic transformation in 30 days, in 21 days, uh, even in 90 days, like you're not going to have dramatic transformation. You might have, um, you know, huge mindset shifts and feel like, you know, you have major light bulbs going off. But we still need to keep implementing, keep practicing, you know, keep up with these things um, in different seasons of life. So that's something I also want you to think about is, you know, be realistic with your timeline. Don't be impatient. Be consistent with things. A lot of the stuff that we all need to be doing is not the glamorous, you know, sexy stuff. It's the slow, mundane, kind of annoying, (laughs) low hanging fruit kind of stuff. Um, And It just takes longer for those things to really add up. But even just 1% each day adds up to a lot over the course of a year. So think about that too when you're looking at different goals to set, different programs or people to work with or participate in. You know, if it's like dramatic change in 30 days, meh, probably not. (laughs) 
Well, I hope this has been helpful and I hope it's given you some food for thought moving into this year, but also just moving into any season of life that you're in. You can listen to this podcast episode any time of the year, but I know in January we tend to be bombarded with unhelpful information. So I wanted to provide maybe some productive information to your ears. And as always, guys, happy running. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you.